We got our notes. Man, there's a saying I used to say a lot, and I'm such a bad person because I'm going to talk against myself. That saying is, we don't do that around here. I used to say that so much. Here's the truth. I used to say this in ministry because I was told this in ministry. You guys hear me? I used to replicate what was given to me. Um, when you're in a place and you're trying to be creative, when you're in a place and you're trying to be innovative, sometimes people who have been doing what you're trying to do, sometimes those people who've been doing it for a long time can hit you one of these when, when you try and, 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 and try to make things better or just try to do new things, right? You probably experienced this at you know, your job, hey, we don't do that around here. Or maybe, I don't know, at school, like your, your teacher, hey, phones, no, we don't do that around here, you know? Um, this question is a question that really challenges the culture of the environment, right? So if I walk into a fresh environment and I was to do something, someone who knows the culture would say what? We don't do that around here. And, and sometimes in church, we can, we can say, I've said it before, we don't do that around here, you know? And, and, and I'm tonight, it's a revelation of myself to stop saying this phrase. Because here's the truth. I believe as more people come into ministry and more people start serving, this question of why don't we do that, that's a great question. That's a great question. Why don't we, you know, have worshipers sing with no, barefoot? Why don't we, you know? And instead of saying, here, here's, the, here's the challenge. This is where I, I want God to take us. Instead of saying, we don't do that around here, let's say this. That's not who we are. Do you guys see the graduation in thoughts? It's not, we don't do that around here. But the truth behind that statement is to defend culture. When you defend culture, you don't tell people what we're not. You tell people what we are. And when you tell people, when you fight for culture, you're always fighting for what is obvious. You, you can teach culture, but usually culture is caught. And when I say culture, I, I, I want you to know, culture is, is the vibe of the room when you walk in. That's culture. When you come in on a Friday and everyone just loves you and everyone just accepts you and everyone just wants to know you, that is something that's not said. So we don't have on the screens every week, we love you, we accept you, you know, uh, uh, we're, we're not going to judge you. That's not something we're teaching. That's something people are catching. Culture, you can teach it, but culture is really caught. So someone can walk in and say, man, I feel like home. I mean, the only type of cheat is that we say welcome home. So that kind of cheats it. But all those other things that come with the culture, you can't really teach it. It's usually just caught. So when someone walks in and, and they say, man, it feels, it feels great in here. That's what I mean by culture. Culture is something as leaders that we need to fight for. Right? So we're a culture against gossip. If someone comes to you with gossip, you need to make them feel uncomfortable. Not with, we don't do that around here, but how about, that's not who we are. That's not what New Birth looks like. You know what I mean? You see the graduation in thought? Like, and, and the thing is, when we say that's not what we do around here, that's kind of like almost the bare minimum of like culture protecting. But the best way to protect culture is to always point to the identity of the organization. What does that mean? Okay, instead of what we're doing, let's tell you who we are. 
So that's not who we are. That's a way better phrase to say than we don't do that around here. That's not who we are. We are a church that loves. We are a church that accepts everyone. We are a church that believes in everyone's potential. When you come to New Birth, guess what? You're at 100%. I don't care what you were as your other church. I don't care what you were as your other family. I don't care what you were as in a different city. When you come to New Birth, everyone starts at 100%. Everyone starts clean slate. It's called grace, you know? Grace is given because grace is received. We've, we've been received much. We've been forgiven of much so we can forgive others of much. And that happens when leaders don't have a problem forgiving people. That's because they have a problem of receiving grace. Because if you receive the grace of God, meaning he forgives you past, present, and future, everything that you shouldn't have is given to you by God, then, yeah, it's hard to forgive, but let me, let me chill out because I was forgiven of much. And I'm going to be forgiven of much until I die. So that's a, that's a great thought. That's not who we are. The challenge is sometimes doing church with the traditions and not seeing it with a freshness. So what am I saying? I'm saying... There are traditions in church that could lead you to saying, oh, we don't do that around here. But there are also traditions in church that you can say, oh, we do this because that's who we are. Right? We do this because that's who we are. But there are traditions that you can look in the church. What's a tradition? A tradition is something that we just do traditionally. All right? Was that good? <laughs> I'm fighting for clarity, y'all. Come on, y'all. Is there Sunday? I'm fighting for clarity. We do it naturally. We naturally love people, right? So that's so traditional. You can almost get numb to the love when it's given to you so much. And I'm not talking about the person who's just coming to church for the first time. We're in the leader's lab. I'm talking about the leaders that feel the love every week. You can almost grow numb to that stuff until you enter an environment or a church world that they don't love. And you're like, whoa, no one hugged me yet. This is crazy. Julie came back from New York. She was at a church. She was like, it was, it was really good, but all I got was handshakes. I was like, that's a good problem. She is traditional when it comes to love. So those are traditions that, that we need to fight for. That's who we are. We traditionally love people. We traditionally accept people. A tradition that you could also grow numb to is service structure. You hear me, leaders? We're going to be doing church for a long time. Guess what? There's going to be four songs of worship and a preaching and a video and announcements, and that's not going to change ever in your life. Amen. Yeah, that's an amen, but at the same time, if you're like me, traditions grow, you grow numb of traditions. So it's just another service, so it's just another worship set, so it's just another message, and if you're not leading with freshness, traditions take over. I need to lead with freshness. I need to be a leader with a fresh mentality. Although this is just a regular week, man, the presence of God is not regular. It's irregular. It isn't normal. When I get the experience of the Holy Spirit in me in a church service, it's almost as if it's the first time every time. We don't go through the motions, but we as leaders keep things fresh. A leader who is numb to the traditions in church are numb to things that they used to be sensitive for. So as leaders, guess who's going to be in church all the time? Me. Guess who's going to be in worship all the time? 
me. You guys can be serving all the time. Me. And you can get so caught up in the motions and the traditions that you miss out in the moments. And you miss out the freshness of leading and the freshness of church. It, leaders, if there's anything I expect from you, it's to come into a Friday with just a fresh mindset and a fresh worship. Here's, here's, here's a traditional worship. Ready? I just lift my hands every week, so I just got this. Bam. Here's my fresh worship. Like, I do what you got to do. Fresh worship. Fresh serving. Fresh leading. Just so fresh. Like, people come up to you, and it's you're not just saying hi to them because that's what you've been doing for a year, but there's a fresh greeting with my hand and my hug, and that's what people deserve. Here's the funny thing, that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, he doesn't change, but he's always fresh. Jesus is traditional in a sense, but he's fresh in a sense. Y'all here? Every time Jesus, if Jesus walked in the room a thousand times, I'm laid out every time. <laughs> Ain't nothing new with Jesus. Jesus is not going to change. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So what does that do? Okay, that takes leaders and they say, okay. There's a tradition to church. There's a tradition to Jesus. He's always full of grace. He's always full of mercy. But I'm going to love Jesus because he's continuously giving me mercy. He's continuously giving me of grace. He's continuously forgiving me of much. And the, the, the bottom line is people who don't leave a freshness, they, you know, the, the Bible says joy comes in the morning, meaning what does that mean? How, how I interpret that in this context is that I go to sleep feeling one way and I wake up feeling a new, it's a new day. And there's a freshness that comes to the presence of Jesus and the forgiveness of Jesus. So as leaders, let's live in the grace of God. The grace of God, is, it's new every day. It's new. Every day is 100%. It's new and it's fresh. So our job as leaders is to fight for culture and say, this is who we are. We are leaders of freshness. Amen? Number two, let traditions just be traditions, but never make us traditional people. Let traditions just be traditions, but never make us traditional people. The, the, the truth is, I know this is such a well-known phrase, but I want to say it. We are creatures of habit. That's who we are, creatures of habit. But the problem is, is that when we're traditional in ministry, we, 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 we see it as just a regular Sunday. It's just a regular serving. And, and we can become traditional people. If you are a traditional leader, traditionally serving in a traditional service, I'm going to tell you that's not who we are. Like, you, you can have this misconception, like, hey, I've been serving for such a long time. And you come to me and you're like, hey, man, how you doing? Same old, same old, right? No, it's not the same old, same old. That's not who we are. I'm leaving with freshness. I'm leading with a brand new mindset. Anything can happen tonight. You ready? I'm ready. Because the world, they can't come into a church that's so traditional. They can't come into a church that's fresh. Fresh church. Breath, a breath of fresh air. Everything we're doing is a breath of fresh air. Man, I want to encourage you. If you feel like ministry is the same old, same old, inhale grace and exhale freshness. Inhale grace and exhale freshness. Is that good? Number three, your why will always sustain you. So how do I fight against traditions? You need to know the why you're doing what you're doing. How do you stay in a traditional job for 30 years 
because you know you're trying to make some money. That's why you're there. That's why you're still at that job for 30 years. It's because you know why you're there. If you don't know why you're there, you would have been left a job. But because you know why you're there, you're doing the traditional nine to five for 40 years until you retire. I mean, people in the world practice tradition, but they still know the why, which pushes them through something regular. If we're people of Jesus and we get traditional in church, understand you need to remember the why you're doing what you're doing. There's 409 people that said yes to Jesus at youth night for only six months. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing. Remember your why, and you will always be a leader of fresh and not a leader of tradition. Just remember your why. It's funny. People stay fresh in the workforce that is secular, away from Jesus. They stay fresh in the, in, in, in the workforce because they know their why. I know why I'm working here is because I want to help people and I want to make money. So that's why the same job in the same place with the same coworkers and the same manager still could be fresh potentially because you're coming in with your why. That doesn't change with the church. Walk in with your why. Wake up in the morning with your why. Rush from school or work to church to serve because you know your why. And that will sustain you with freshness. And that will sustain you with, with a smile on your face. You guys here tonight? The truth is that, you know, past year I feel like kind of like a, a reoccurring point in our leaders' lives is like we're not a church of the method, but we're the church of the message. So it's like that method message, like just battle. The method will change, but the message will stay the same. Last leader's lab, when you present the message of Jesus, the gift stays the same, but the gift wrap may change, right? So here's the thing. When change comes in ministry, when change comes in church, we're going to be leaders that are looking towards the fresh. An easy way to be a leader, hear me, an easy way to be a leader in the fresh of the church is to be in the forefront of change. Say it again. A leader that's going to be fresh with the church is a leader that is going to be in the forefront of change. Traditional leaders are angry when some traditions are broken, right? Let's say we go from three songs to one song. Some of you guys might get mad. Why? Because you are traditioned and accustomed to three songs of worship, right? So whenever there's change in the ministry, leaders who are traditional will be behind change. However, leaders who are leading with a fresh mindset are in front of the change. You guys with me? You're moving with the change, all right? You're moving with the change. And usually change is attached to vision. You guys hear? Vision. Whenever there's vision, there's a new direction. I'm going to stand up for this. Whenever there's vision, there's a new direction. With a new direction comes change. And when there's change, if you are a traditional leader, not leading with freshness, you will be behind the change. 
and not working with the change. So change is attached to vision. Why do we need vision? Because we always need to find newer and better ways to making our doors bigger, making our church grow, and making people easily say yes to Jesus. That's our job, is to make adjustments and to make different moves. You know, it, it, Jesus is, your relationship with God is so creative. The relationship with Jesus is so creative. And, and, and the thing is, sometimes we think church is supposed to be X, Y, Z. And, and, and we say that's who we are. We say that's not what we do. We, we just don't do that. But if we look at who we are and the why we do things, we should always be finding new ways of making more people grow and making more people come to Jesus. Why are we doing new birth internship? Right? That's, that could be, that's a change. That's change for a lot of people. This internship is going to be change. And if you are a person of tradition, this may almost seem as something kind of weird. Like, we're doing a what now? And a... And how long and how much and and why is that our focus even and what's going on? Because your summers are usually so traditional. Come on, summer at New Birth, I'm usually like I'm beaching and I'm pooling and I'm tanning and wait, what what do you, what's the vision? You know, what's the what's the vision? Hey Pastor, what's the vision? <laughs> I need you to tell me in person. That means you're not you're 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 a leader of tradition, not a leader of freshness. Because when you're a leader of freshness, then you're always in front and you're walking with the change. And when you're walking with the change, change is attached to what? To vision. So when there's vision, there's change. And when there's change, all the fresh leaders run with it. Y'all here tonight? When there's vision, there's change. When there's change, leaders who are fresh run with it. Because freshness is always subject to change. Is that good or what? I want to read to you a couple verses. I'm going to transition this talk to talk about you, to talk about me, to talk about us, we. <laughs> I want to talk about the leader as an individual for the next 11 minutes we have, and then we'll do breakouts. I want to talk to you as a leader, as an individual. It says in Ezekiel chapter 23, verses 29 through 30, the people of the land have practiced oppression and committed robbery, and they have wronged the poor and the needy, and they oppressed the sojourner without justice. Next verse. I searched for man. This is God saying this. I searched for man among them who would build up the wall and stand in the gap for me, before me, for the land, so that I would not destroy it, but I found no one. Let's read that verse again, 29. The people of the land have practiced oppression and committed robbery. So there's so much evil going on. Verse 30, I searched for a man among them who would build up the wall and stand in the gap before me and the land, meaning I'm going to put some wrath on that land, and I need a righteous person to stand in the gap. And I searched, and I searched, but I found no one. God wants to do something with or without you. Because he's going to do it anyway. God wants to do something with or without you. And I'm not talking about the wrath towards those people. I'm also talking about the blessing to those people. Whenever you read the Old Testament, always see it in New Testament lenses, all right? 
always see it in New Testament lenses. The grace of God. The new covenant. It's for us, not against us. Never again will I wipe the world with water. And, and come on, like, with, with, with grace. So don't only see God doing something to the land. You know, m- mainly in Scripture, the, the, what happens a lot, the tradition of God is that God's people fall and God makes a way. That's the Old Testament model. God's people fall and then God makes a way. And to, 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 you know, and look at that model and then look at this. So, so God's looking at the people and he's saying, I need someone to stand in the gap to do something amazing for them. Not only pouring out my wrath, the New Testament lens is pouring out my blessing. So God wants to do something with you or without you. It's kind of like that, you know, what we say, what we used to say in, in student leadership, preach this this Sunday. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a small part of something big. The, you know, uh, what, I'm, what I'm a part of is bigger than a part I, that I play. You know, we said a Sunday, I'm on a freight train. I'm jumping onto a train. The train has a destination. The train is going somewhere. What a privilege it is to be on this train. God, thank you for giving me the golden ticket. Thank you for having me serving in this ministry. Thank you for having me have a say in somebody's destiny. If I'm in it or I'm not in it, freight, the freight train is still moving and it has a destination. So God's going to do something with or without me, right? So that model, and I, I, I want you to see it like this. So, so God wants to do something with me or without me. What, what does God look for in those that he's going to use? I see four things that God, God looks for in a leader, right? And I have an acronym, and it's, it's, it's a raft. So God is looking for someone who is a raft, all right? That's an acronym, uh, acronym R-A-F-T. So when God is going to use someone, remember, he's going to do something with or without you, so you need to be a raft to be used by God. I'm going to jump into it, but let's just get that clear. God is going to do something in new birth with or without you. God is going to do something in Kissimmee with or without you. God is going to do something in your house with you or without you. God is going to do something in your neighborhood with or without you. God is going to do something in your job with or without you. And you can either say, man, I should have stood and be an enduring leader and being a leader that persevered and being a leader that stood hands in the ground, feet in the ground. I should have stood rooted because I would have been celebrating with the church instead of watch celebration happen in the distance. He's going to do something with or without you. And what he does is that he looks for someone who is a raft. Raft are the first acronym in R and the RAF is being a reliable leader. Raft. The first letter in RAF is reliable. What does that mean? Can God trust you with his vision, a.k.a. change? We're leaders of freshness. We're not leaders of tradition. So if you are reliable, that means I can trust you with my vision. If I can rely on you, I can trust that if I'm not here on a Friday, that you are a reliable leader. You are going to execute the vision and the culture. But the truth is, can God trust us with his vision? Can God trust us with the change that he wants to bring? Can he trust us? Because God is looking for a leader. He's going to do something with or without me. And, and, and what occurs a lot in scripture is these four letters. The first one is R, reliable. Can, can God re- Am I a reliable leader? Can God trust me with what he's given me? And, and can, here's the second question. Can God trust you with his dream? So, yeah, can God trust me with his vision? Dope. 
I could follow the vision of the church. I could jump to the vision of this house. Okay, step two, can God trust you with his dream? Because his dream and his vision, his vision for the world and his vision to the church is attached to your dream. Woo! That's what someone that thinks that their dream's outside of the church. And their dreams is outside of what God wants to do in other people's lives. God changes people through the church. God's going to change people through your dream. And I believe that's attached to the church. That's just what the Bible says. I don't know. I just believe that. That God's avenue of blessing the church is blessing the world is the church. And, and, and I believe this. We all have gifts and something to bring inside of the church. We all are a part of the body of Christ with different purposes and different skills and different dreams. This is a God dream. So can God trust you with his vision? Can God, can God trust you with his dream? Here's the third question. Is your purpose tangible? Is your purpose tangible? If God has a purpose for me, if God has a vision for my life and a vision for the church, in my life, is this purpose even tangible? Like, am I, am I even reaching towards that bad boy? And when you operate in these thoughts, you are becoming a reliable leader. Reliable. Are you reliable? You know what I look for a leader? You know what we look for in a leader in the church? Are you reliable? If I tell you to open doors at 7, are you going to open doors at 7? Can I trust you with the vision? Can I trust you with this God dream? And is your purpose tangible? Do you see that? Yeah, I can open this door at 7. What? I can do this. Yes. Here's the second one. So R, raft, R, reliable, A, available. Go back to that verse 30. Well, Ezekiel verse 30. I searched for a man among them, but I found no one. I can imagine how many reliable people there were, but I can imagine how many of these same people weren't available. All these things, they need to happen together. How many reliable people could God have chosen but just weren't available? Because when he's looking, he didn't find them. So re being reliable, you need to attach that with being available. What's the use of a reliable person that's not available? Available. Here's the truth. If you can make time for anything, you can make time for God. I got to make time to see my girl. I got to make time to hang with my boys. I got to make time for my family. I need to make time for God. I need to be available. There is such a thing as balancing a work life, a student life, a family life, and a ministry life. There is such a thing. And the truth is your ministry life will bleed on all those things. That's why your relationship with God is first. Your mom can't take you to heaven. Your job can't take you to heaven. Your teacher can't take you to heaven. So God is number one, but that doesn't mean that all these things are now slacked in. No, no, no. I'm going to balance and be available. Right? So there's this misconception. I got to love Jesus completely. You got to be a bad student. That's false. To love Jesus completely, you need to be completely out of school. That is false. God is giving you a, he is giving you a mind. Are you a good steward of your mind? Are you learning? Are you giving knowledge? Can God trust you with the position? Listen, God wants you to be a great student. You here tonight? He wants you to be a great student. He wants you to be a successful student wherever you're at. 
He wants you to be a great steward. And the truth is, we need to be available. We, we, we need to let our love for God bleed on all these other areas and reach and reach to our family and reach to our job and reach to our school and reach to just the student life. Because that's what happens. We need to be available. It says in Isaiah 6, 8, And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? Then I said, oh, here I am. Send me. God, God said, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Who will I choose? And Isaiah's like, here, here I am. Send me. Okay, God wants to do new birth internship. God wants to raise up leaders. And I'm praying in this room, there's people saying, here I am, Lord. Send me. You need to be available. You need to be reliable. You need to be available. And that's what we look for in leaders. That's my first. If you're ever looking for a leader in ministry, look for who's available the most. This girl hasn't missed a service in like six months. Hey, you want to lead this thing? <laughs> that's probably number one. I, I think it's arft or, or fart or something like that, but it's raft. Anyways, um, I, think avail- I think availability is probably number one. Because if you're available, we could work on the reliable part. You know, we could, we, you got to be available. Amen? So, raft. Reliable, available. Number three, faithful. You need to be faithful. Not only reliable, not only available, but leaders in this room, you need to be faithful. Definition of faithful. True to one's word. Promises, vows, etc. Here's a biblical translation of faithful. Steady in allegiance or affection. Loyal, constant. Loyalty, loyalty, loyalty. You need to be loyal. You need to be faithful. Steady in your allegiance or affection. True to your word and to your promises and to your vows. And that's scary. I learned this as a leader as a leader quickly. Under promise and over deliver. If you're walking around just sending so many promises, you're gonna under deliver. Let's flip the coin. How about I under promise and over deliver? It's a great way to be faithful. You know, being faithful is always attached to your word most of the time. That's why I got two definitions. One is what the world says is faithful, and one is what the Bible says faithful. The word the word says. True to your word. That's being faithful. True to your word, your promises, and your vows. So to that, I say, leader, under promise and over over deliver. Right? Hey, can you promise me every Monday for the next six months? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Gather, regroup, check my availability, check my faithfulness. Hey, I can give you every Monday for the next three months. Okay, let's do it. So there goes my promise. Now I'm going to over-deliver. Somewhere in that third month, I make room for the sixth month. Hey, I'm actually good for another three months. How does that make you feel? Oh, my God, yes. But what, what, what if I really couldn't did it and I promised you the six months? Month five comes around. I'm like, I'm done. And that's, that's not being faithful as a leader. You need to under-promise and over-deliver. But don't confuse that with backing up away from the ministry. But you should rely that with being reliable. You should connect that with being reliable. So I see faithfulness and being reliable kind of hand in hand. 
So you need to be reliable. You need to be available. You need to be faithful, loyal, constant in your allegiance, right? I shouldn't wake up one day and be like, uh, are they faithful today? I don't know. Is somebody talking trash behind my back in ministry? I don't know. It's, I don't know. No, I got to wake up knowing that I'm, my, my leaders are loyal and they're steady in their allegiance. The last part of this raft is being teachable. I learned this early on, and I'm just going to shed some knowledge. This isn't me. Ready? Leaders are learners. Leaders are learners. Do you hear me? Know-it-alls are not leaders. They don't lead anything. They lead their mind. What ministry are you in? The ministry of one. I know everything. Get off the team. Leaders are learners. Reading the Bible, soaping, that's what we do. Watching sermons, leadership seminars, just reading books and coming to leaders. We we never stop learning because we're leaders. Once you stop being teachable, you stop being a leader. Because who's, who's the person that is leading but doesn't need to be taught? That's God. He's the only person, the only being that is leading but doesn't need to be taught anything. When you think you're at the place in ministry where you kind of know everything and you still want to lead, you're taking the position of God. Always something to learn. Leading is God's gift, and when we stop learning, we stop our ability to grow this gift. I see leadership as a gift, and we can continue to grow in this gift. So R-A-F-T, let's say it together. Reliable, available, faithful, teachable. Let's try that again. Reliable, available, faithful, teachable. Raft leaders last. Raft leaders last. It's probably like my favorite talk ever. Here's the truth. When I become a raft, saving lives become natural. A life raft. When I become a raft, when I'm reliable, when I'm available, when I'm faithful, and when I'm teachable, saving people's lives becomes natural. Look at this image. Every boat has one of these. You're not the person in the boat. You're the boat. You're a raft. You are the raft. This is what you look like, y'all. I don't want to be a raft with holes in it. That's being reliable but not available. I'm missing something. People will come to God through me and fade away because I'm an incomplete raft. I got some holes in me, so I'll last a little while, but you'll end up fading and potentially dying because I'm not equipped to hold you up. Church stands on the leaders. Church grows. Everything everything rises and falls on leaders. That's an age-old thought, and that's not my thought. That's just like it. Everything rises and falls on leaders. So it's true. Everything rises with leaders, and everything falls with leaders. When you are a raft, saving people's lives just becomes natural. It's just what you do. 
And guess what, guys? You're, you're gonna be you're gonna be stood on top of. Y'all here tonight? You go. You gonna have some people stepping on you. Here's the thing, Raps, Raps, uh, you gotta kind of count on them, right? If I can't count on you, you're not really a raft. A life raft. Come on, if my boat fails, I'm jumping into a raft. Can I count on you to 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 last me a long time? Can I count on you? It's time to own this idea of being a raft. And here's the truth: rafts need to be accessible. That's what they need to be. That's just who they need to be accessible. You need to be accessible. Being available and being access- accessible is different. Being available is being part of a raft. Now that you are a raft, you need to be accessible. Now that you are that leader, you need to be reachable. People need to have access to you in their life. You need to be accessible to the very thing that will bless you, and that's people. You know it's so funny? That the only purpose that a raft has is for people to step on it. We got a people sermon series going up. I'm just going to take the cat out the bag. It's all about people. It's called people. You know what your life is all about, leader? You're supposed to be a raft. Rafts aren't holding horses. They're holding people. Rafts aren't holding awards. They're holding people. Rafts aren't holding fame. Rafts aren't holding possessions. Being a raft doesn't come with Instagram followers. It comes with people. Being a raft doesn't come sometimes with recognition and, and all that stuff the world comes with. Being a raft comes with people. That is what it comes with. I'm taking the cat out the bag for the next sermon series. Your life is revolved around people. God is leading you towards people. I was preaching this one night a while ago. I don't know if some of you guys remember. It's like you come up to the altar. Like, so we were all watching a preacher one day. We made a decision to follow Jesus, right? We come to the altar. We meet Jesus. And you say, God, what's my purpose? And he points you right back towards people. And we think there's something else. Like, is there anything behind here? What's going on over here? God, what's next? Like, turn around. Your lives are all about people. People, I'm a raft. You need to be a phone call away. You need to be accessible. You need to be a phone call away. You need to be reachable. People need to know that at any moment they have access to you. And that leads me to my second point. Rafts need to be predictable. There's no room for an unpredictable life raft. What's a life raft if it's unpredictable? Hey, man, jump on me if there's an emergency. But listen, I don't know if I'll be here when you jump. I don't know. This thing may be sinking. I may be, I may be out before it sinks. You need to be a predictable leader. I need to know that when I approach you, you'll always be the same. Woo! I, I want every leader to know what makes me mad and to know what makes me happy. Why? Because I'm predictable. I want to be those, the most predictable person ever in your life. Why? Because if I'm unpredictable... I limit the process of you jumping on top of me. 
when I'm predictable and you know what's going on and you know my spirit and you know when you talk to me, I'm going to smile at you, look at you, and love you. And you know in every scenario, you're going to get the same thing. In church, you're going to get the same thing. Outside of church, you're going to get the same thing. At Starbucks, you're going to get the same thing. In class, you're going to get the same thing. At a party, you're going to get the same thing. In ministry, you're going to get the same thing. The same things. You need to know that you're going to get the same thing because I need to be predictable. Leaders who are unpredictable deny their leadership. That was good. <laughs> leaders who are unpredictable deny their very leadership. Leaders need to be predictable. Full of love and grace. Let me not catch her on Mondays because I know Mondays is crazy. She's just unpredictable. She's unpredictable. I don't know what's going on. She's tired. She's hungry. I'm just not going to talk to her on Mondays. What if, I, what if I die Tuesday? God forbid, but, like, the person who wanted to reach you on the day that you're bad and mad, they can't reach you, and on the way somewhere else, God forbid, they get in a car accident. I, I was trying to reach you, but you were on your bad day. No, 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 I need to be predictable. Number three, rafts need to be able to float. You need to float. Your purpose is to be surviving through storms. That's why people are on top of you. It's because there's a storm going on. People are on top of you because something is wrong with their life. They're running for help, and they're jumping to you. And what is a life raft afraid of a storm? Denying its very existence. You were called to float. You were called to endure. You were called to keep your feet in the ground. You were called to keep your head down and keep forward in the middle of the storm. What is a raft afraid to float? That's that thing they were on top of, that Titanic. A raft unable to float is a floating door. And people will end up like Jack. I'm writing this analogy out. I'll never let go. You're making false promises. <laughs> I'm writing this out. Okay, we're done. But man, I want to be a raft. Hello, is anyone out there? I want to be a raft. I don't want to be a door. Every time there's a storm, can I count on you to float? Man, I don't feel like serving. Okay, this is when you're supposed to survive. I don't expect nothing from no one except for you. You're a raft. Can you take a storm? I think that's the true testing of a raft, right? It's if it can handle storms. It's if it can handle pressure. Well, go back to that image. Dude, I'm just getting walked on by so much people. I don't know that this is for me. That's what you're kind of called to do. I don't know, man. I just, there's so many people, like, in their personalities and, like, problems. And it's just, like, woo, it's just weighing on top of me. I'm going to have this as my screensaver. I'm going to be like, look. Everyone on Instagram, this is our new bio picture, all right? <laughs> I want to post this tonight. I want to post this whenever, just like a leader's insider. Whenever you tell, hey, man, I don't think I'm, I'm going to stop doing ministry. For real? Okay, which part of the raft you missing? Is it, is it the, the faithfulness? Is it the teachability? Is it the availability? What's, what's lacking in you? Because this is what we're called to do. 
And God gives us strength to be rafts. He gives us the strength to be a raft. He created you. You, you think you just, you're just going to come up with all this? He cre- he, you were made for this. You were made for this. In your instruction manual, yeah, reliable, available, faithful, and teachable, just enduring storms, being able to stay with a fresh mentality, that's in the stuff that God made you with. And on top of that, he's giving you his spirit. So, man, we, we need to be able to flow. It says in Psalms 51, verse 16 to 17, going through the motions doesn't please you. A flawless performance is nothing to you. I learned God worship when my pride was shattered. Heart-shattered lives ready for love. Don't for a moment escape God's notice. I'm going to read that whole thing again because I like that. David is writing. He says, going through the motions doesn't please you. He's saying this to God, all right? God, going through the motions doesn't please you. Being a leader of tradition doesn't please you. A flawless performance is nothing to you. Putting on good services, that may be great to us, but that's nothing to God. I learned God worship when my pride was shattered, when people started stepping on me, when people started walking all over me, when I had to endure just a little bit as a leader and fight through some of the toughest moments of my life. It was in these moments that I learned God worship was when my pride was shattered. Heart-shattered lives, ready for love, don't for a moment escape God's notice. I am a raft, and I am built for endurance. And that's my last point tonight. I am a raft, and I am built for endurance. You guys are good? Everybody ready to be a raft? Keep encouraged, God.